Why, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. We have a good episode for you today. Before I get to my guest, though, I want to send a big thank you to our sponsor, Jumbo Superfoods. You can go to jumbocbd.com. Check out their full line of products. They have sprays, they have topical balms, they have lip balms, they have a ghee. They just came out with an olive oil. So many amazing products. I absolutely love using the cinnamon spray. I like mixing that with my coffee. I put it in my kids' oatmeal. So many benefits, so many benefits. CBD is showing to have so many benefits in many different ways, whether that's for your gut health or your brain health or inflammation. It's helping people all over the world. So go check them out, jombocbd.com. Use the code OUTSIDE when you check out. You'll save 20% off of your entire order. Also, they are doing buy two, get one free. So throw two in your cart, you'll get that third one for free. Then you'll save 20% off of that entire thing. Talk about a hack. That's it right there. Boom. Benefits all the way around. JumboCBD.com. Hmm. My guest today. I'm sitting down with Chaz Johnson. Chaz is uh, he's a mental health advocate. He's a martial artist. He does jujitsu. And uh, he actually just recently competed on uh, the same professional jujitsu card I was on called Respect. So Chaz reached out to me uh, after having heard episode 117, Mental Health and Six Tips to Improve Your Mental Health, and he wanted to share his story. So I don't want to really uh, get too into it, uh, so we'll just we'll get to the episode, and I will let you hear it from Chaz. Uh, so all right, everybody, let's, uh, let's gain some perspective. record these and i'll clap once chaz johnson how's it going i'm fantastic sir good man you comfortable yeah you feel great yeah Co- right. couch is very comfortable actually Thanks, dude. <laughs> i actually had to live on that thing for a while because uh i was divorced or so th- this is actually all perfect tie-in right <laughs> because you reached out because i did that um that episode on mm-hmm. mental health yep. right and that's what we're here to discuss like mental health yeah. and uh and your your experience but uh my episode was stemming from like my separation and my divorce and like my severe, like I was extremely depressed to the point where like, you know, I I really wanted to kill myself and, uh, that couch, I slept (laughs) on that game. I slept on that thing for months, dude, easily like six months. I was living (laughs) on that couch. So it is Uh, very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, It's, uh, it's, it's crazy that you bring that up, you know, cause, uh, when you did that solo cast, I went and I listened to it. Um, and it was just very, I was like, man, there's there's so many ways that my story and your story kind of tie into each other. And I thought that was uh, crazy. So that's why I was kind of like, I was kind of talking to some people. I'm like, should I reach out to him? I don't really know how to reach out to him. And I want to come up to your respect. And, you know, you just had your match. or just had mine. And you had all your guys around you. I was like, ah, it might not be the right time. I'll just message him all. So, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Um, the the week of Mental Health Week, um, you know, a lot of people have been posting stuff, and for ten years, like I never really came out and told a ton of people or went publicly with like what happened with my mom because it was such a a crazy story and a crazy experience that we went through. Um, me and my dad, that is. And so I was sitting there and I was kind of talking to my friend at work and I was like, you know, I haven't really said anything about this like ever in 10 years. Like people I've told the story to, but it's such a long story that I was like, I don't tell too many people. Um, and I was like, you know, what if I just went home, make a video, just kind of going through what had happened, the emotions, the experiences, and then, you know, the unfortunate ending of it. Um, and just let people know that you're not alone out there. Because that is the the hardest thing to go through is when people are going through depression, mental illness, and they feel like they have nobody. Yeah. And that's just, uh, I felt like maybe if I can at least reach a couple people and maybe help them out, then then it's worth it. Then it's worth putting myself out there, putting you know my experience out there to help other people. Yeah. It 100% is, dude, because as humans, I've realized we, we often feel like like our own experience is unique and mm-hmm. in some regards and some details it is for sure. But on the same note, it's like in the grander scale, it's just the human experience. Right. And a lot of us are living very similar experiences, even if some of the details are different. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically enough, I actually just had um, a friend from high school text me yesterday and mm-hmm. a screenshot saying, thank you for that same episode. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and in his story, is is way different and like without giving like too much details you know his i mean long story short like his sister was murdered yeah and probably like over a year ago mm-hmm. now but the the experience of loss you know the 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 phases of loss you know what i mean like we all kind of experience those very similarly right you know what i mean so the, when we anytime we can share our own experience it's, it there's a lot of power in that for sure for sure yeah it was it was weird like i it, funny kind of a funny story um like every once in a while like i'll get a uh, like a somebody will react to the video or whatever yeah. and like this has happened twice now where somebody like laugh reacted to the video and i'm like who the hell is re- laughing at this? This isn't funny. And so, it's but sensitive right. Is this, this is sensitive. So then I go to it and it's like some fake bot profile with like some girl that, y- yes, yep. exactly. ISIS basically just going Pretty on much. there laughing at Americans pain. And so, uh, so I was like, okay. But then like the last time I went to it, I saw it had like over 900 views and I was like, whoa, like I didn't think that many people cared. And yeah. so, um, but you know, when I put it out there, um, a lot of people were messaging me saying like, Hey, thank you for putting that out there. That helped me a lot. You know, j- just so you know, you helped me out. I was like, well, uh, well then it was worth it then. So yeah, yeah. 100% dude, just, just the power of being vulnerable and like sharing your story. So yeah. with that, dude, let's like transition like into your actual story. Yeah, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Like yeah. take me back to the beginning. Yeah. You know, so, you know, this was 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So it was about 10 years ago. So it did, I would say, um, the whole story spanned over, about a year and a half. Um, so like my parents were kind of, I was, let's see, was a freshman, sophomore in high school. It, the details get a little, eh, a yeah. Little, yeah. Well, you're 14 or 15 at yeah, that time. Yeah. So it was, you know, I'm going through school. I'm trying to figure out who I am at the time. And then I've got all this going on. Um, not thinking it's going to end how it did. So, you know, my parents were, you know, having parent issues. It happens, you know, you were divorced and everything, you know, they split up. So it wasn't like an unhealthy, you know, screaming argument all the time, anything like that. It was like, Hey, you know what? This isn't working. Let's, 
you know, let's, uh, let's separate and then not divorce. We're going to try to date each other and then see if maybe the spark comes back, see if uh, everything, you know, works out. So my dad actually found my mom a trailer out in Lake St. Louis. It was nice. Him and a bunch of his buddies went in, renovated it, did a great job. It, was, it turned out to be great. So they tried the whole dating thing for three to four months and it, you know, it would, it just didn't work. You know, my, they'd go on dates. My dad would go over to her house. They'd try to watch a movie. My dad would fall asleep. My mom would get pissed off and it just doesn't work. It's like this cycle. <laughs> it was just a cycle. So then they were like, well, how about this? We're not, we're still just going to stay separated. We're not going to get divorced. Let's try to date other people and see if, you know, maybe that spark comes back, you know, when we're miss each other. Yeah. And so, um, my dad was, uh, like, you know, we were talking about a few minutes ago, he's a floor layer. So he was, uh, he was doing these like older people's floors or whatever. And they had a daughter that was living with them who was, I don't know, like late thirties at the time. So close to my dad's age. And, uh, you know, he, he was like, man, you know, she's hot, you know, asked her out and everything. And so they start dating. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was a beautician. She worked at sport clubs out in St. Charles where it was offices on bell and that Walmart Plaza was there. Yeah. And they ended up eventually moved out. I know right where you're talking yep. about. Yep. yep. Um, so she was there and then she had a client that was coming in. She found attractive. He found her attractive. Great. They start dating as well. Um, the weird thing was, is that in like my dad had this weird feeling about him and he, he was like, I'm not really sure about this guy. And the reason was, is because he would always go on these business, business trips, quote unquote. And, uh, you know, she could never reach him or anything. He never had service. Hmm. And so she would send him text messages and, you know, not even sure if he's getting it or not. And so like this went on for like a couple months or whatever. And then all of a sudden she gets a text back, but it's from his wife. Hmm. And so it's kind of like one of those things out of a movie that was just very odd. And she was like, look, he's married, you know, leave him alone. My mom didn't freak out. She was like, look, I'm, I didn't know. He told me he was single. I'll send him home to you. That's fine. You know, that, that was pretty much it. And so uh, she was pretty heartbroken over that, that the fact that yeah. this guy had, you know, totally cheated her, cheated her over, you know, made her feel all these feelings and everything. And then at the same time, my dad still has somebody and she doesn't now. So she... How long have they been separated at this point? I would say about mm, about six months. Six months Yeah, or so. I, I want to say about six, seven months would probably sound about right. So, cause they separated like pretty much in the beginning of the year. And then this all kind of happened like towards the summer. Um, so yeah, I want to say about like eh, six, seven months or so. Yeah. Yep. So then, uh, pretty much from there, they, uh, you know, she was upset, but she was dealing with it. Okay. Um, and I just remember there was one week, it was like middle of summer and it was like 105 degrees. That was ridiculously hot and her AC goes out. So, of course, she has to move or she kind of just like stays with a friend for about a week or so and uh, while her AC gets fixed. And I don't know. This is where I kind of struggle sometimes because I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. But whenever we got the AC fixed, like the week after is when we started, me and my dad started noticing that she wasn't acting the same. And what I mean by that was like she was talking to Angel. She kept claiming that her mom and her grandma were talking to her through the radio with all these different songs. So it was all this weird stuff. And then all of a sudden she's putting all these different signs. My mom was never like a super religious person. So she's putting up all these different signs of like God and Jesus all over her, her trailer. And I'm like, this isn't her. What, what's going on? So eventually like she, she turns into from being the, probably the most responsible, caring, loving woman I've ever known into somebody who was just mean all the time and just didn't, 
you know, just was kind of losing it. She was losing her grip on reality because she, you know, and so. Having like a mental breakdown. Yes. Yeah. She was basically having a mental breakdown. um, And, but we don't know what exactly caused it because it was just like kind of out of nowhere. Like she was fine. And then all of a sudden she was not fine. Really? Like no symptoms before that? Nothing. No accidents or anything? Like you don't think she like hit her head or something? I don't think it was just like. I hope not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe it's like the the stress of the whole situation. And I think that's what it was is like her AC went out and then everything that happened, you know, with that guy and all this and that. And I think it was just a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, it's tough, man. I mean, you know, you you lose your spouse, Mm -hmm. right? And you lose your your family as a whole in a sense. So it sounds like you're you're living with your dad still during this time. Yeah, I was living with my dad and then I would, you know, during the summer it'd be like, Kind of like I just go over there whenever, you know. They didn't really get yeah. into a big custody battle of like he's gonna stay with me this time. They didn't care. It's just like, hey, go over there, see your mom. Well, you're you a know? teenager at this point. Yeah, yeah. And kids, dude. So it, it's weird because like when you're a kid, you're very narcissistic. Mm. You know, it's just all about you. It's like yep. your world, mm. like what you have going on. You know what I mean? Yep. So for you, like you probably didn't even think two things about no. it. It's just like I knew it was weird, but I was just kind of like, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then all of a sudden, you know, she kind of just starts having this mental breakdown and, uh, we're not really sure why. And so this goes on for a little bit, for a little bit. And then, you know, it just gets worse and worse. She's just angry. She's lashing out at people. And that's just something she never did. And so, uh, you know, it got to the point where me and my dad called, um, like her side of the family. So we called first, we called her, her cousin who lives down in uh, Tennessee. Um, and we were like, Hey, this, and he was like, um, forgot what he does for a living he's a very very smart guy so we're like hey can you come up here and just see what your kind of take is on it and everything he was like yeah i'll come up so he comes up he stays with her for like a week and he's like yeah that that is definitely not my cousin like she's very very off right now so uh you know he's like he was taking notes and like this is what i've seen this is what i you know what i you know what i've heard from her um so then we call her brother who lives in ohio and he's like big country type guy, you know, and yeah. he's just no, there's no, uh, her cousin is more of like the methodical, like let's, let's take the logical route where her brother was like, no, she's being a bitch. Let's, let's figure this out. So, <laughs> um, so he comes in and like, he notices it right off the bat, like something is very, very wrong. And so, uh, you know, her cousin goes back home. And so like me, my uncle and my dad are sitting here like, what are we going to do? Because obviously she's, she's a threat. She's, you know, going crazy. All, you know, all this other stuff. So, like, um, some of the examples that I didn't put in the video was she would send these weird text messages. And I, I don't remember exactly what they were. I mean, I don't, this was, like, the old flip phone days almost. Yeah. Um, and it was just, like, she would send these weird texts to, like, me, my dad. And it would just be, like, paragraphs after paragraphs of just, like, babble bullshit that doesn't make sense. Like, spaceman gone home, rabbit went back to the shed. Like, weird stuff that just doesn't make totally sense. It was feel. just weird. And it would and that would just went on for a long time. Like that was just months and months of these weird text messages. So yeah. um end of let's see. So September it was uh the end of the yeah, very end of September, basically we had to make a decision because we had already called the psych ward and we're like, look, she's she's losing it. You know, she's doing she'd already lost her job at this point because her job had noticed that she's losing her mind so she's lost her job she has no money and she's just doing whatever she pleases spending money on stupid stuff that she she doesn't have you know yeah was she using like credit cards and shit yep yep yeah. using credit cards everything like that just down the rabbit hole yep and so uh 
we basically forced her to go to the psych ward. Like my dad and, uh, and my uncle like physically picked her up, put her in the back seat, and she's kicking, she's fighting us. And that's that's not that was my mom. My mom is like the most cool person that you know you could ever talk to. She's super relaxed, super smart, super responsible. Um, you know, she would the one. She was the one that took care of the bills. You know, she was that that person. Yeah, so, very organized. Very or yes, very very organized. And when you start seeing somebody's house become very unorganized, that's when you know something's kind of off. Yeah. So it's a whole different person. Yep. So we get her into the car. Um, so me and my uncle are in the back seat trying to basically hold her down, and she's you know my dad's driving us out to uh, the psych ward out in Winsville. And, uh, you know, she was sitting there screaming, cussing, threatening to kick my dad in the back of the head. And I was like, and I looked at her, and I was like, you would really kick him, crash his car, and, you know, and kill, kill your own son. I don't give up. And I was just like. Yeah, she just didn't care about anything. She like didn't that. care. She was, yeah. There's no foresight. There's no nothing. nothing. It's just how she's feeling in yep. the moment. Just rage, probably. Yep. So we get her there. You know, we'd already called the hospital. So, you know, the doctors come out, grab her, um, basically put her in a room. And she's just, it's. The best way I can really explain it is she was like this wild animal who just wanted out of this cage. Like she, you know, it was a very small room. I mean, literally like a quarter of the size of your living room. And, you know, she, they're, we're talking to the doctors that are asking us questions. That was when I found out my mom smoked a lot of pot. Um, and I should have known that from, you know, finding baddies when I was a kid, whatever. <laughs> so, um, so my dad, my dad turns to me, he's like, here's something you didn't know. I was like, I don't really care about that right now, honestly. I'm yeah. like, I'm worried about, you know, the situation at hand. And so, uh, you know, she's like, I mean, just shoulder ramming in this door trying to get out that's locked. And she looks at my brother. She pulls out like her house key. She's like, oh, I'm going to pull Houdini. I'm going to get out. My, my uncle looks at her and is like, Misty, if, if you break your damn key off in this door, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, eventually they like forcefully go in there sedate her and put her under and then it was weird because like she almost she, they told us she had to like sign herself like sign some document to like basically say it's okay to go in there well when she's heavily sedated that's almost impossible so like yeah we were like hey mom you gotta sign this document it's like uh, and just sign they're like that's fine whatever so she was uh she was in there for about a month and the sad part about it was we put her in there the day before her birthday and that oh, was, and that shit. was hard to do. Yeah. Um, so the whole time she was in there, you know, they noticed, you know, what was going on, but they didn't really know what to do and just see if she snaps out of it. So basically what happened was that they di- uh, diagnosed her with um, schizophrenia. So that, that once they told us that, then it started to make sense. Um, which kind of is weird because like, you know, these last 10 years, I haven't really thought too much on it. And then just all of a sudden, like this past year, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to dig more into this. Cause it's been kind of bugging me. And when I get to like the end of the story, that's when it's kind of like, it makes sense on why it bugs me. Um, and why it's been bugging me this year, because it's, uh, it's crazy. So I want to stop you for a yeah, second. Like but, during this time, I mean, you're like 14 or 15 yeah, man, years 14, old, 15 years old, your parents have separated. <laughs> Your mom's a whole different person, yep. right? Yep. Like she's just been committed to the psych ward yeah. for birth. Like, how are you like processing all of this? You know what I mean? Like, man, I, does, I, are you man. making sense of it or like? Yeah, like I did, but it was it was one of those things of like I was trying to you know focus on school and everything, and it's like I couldn't even focus on school because 
I just had all this going on. Nobody understood. Um, you know, school was already tough for me. I was bullied a lot in school. So that's already tough as is. And, I'm like, I'm dealing with this on the side. Like Nobody knows about. Exactly. Right? Like, like, my close friends understand, but they don't know. It's almost like a dirty me. little secret, right? Like, yeah. you don't want to tell anybody at school right. about it, right? And yeah. So you try to get distracted with the schoolwork. Right, and, and then I can't. And then, you know, and then, of course, like, I'm a teenager, like, I want to have fun in my life. You know, I don't, I don't want to think about school. I don't want to think about this, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was very difficult to process. And it's not like I was like depressed over it or anything. I just didn't really know what to do. It was kind of like, this is just the weirdest thing. So my mom was in the psych ward for, I would say, I think it was about, uh, three, three to four weeks or so, something like that. And so Basically, they just eventually released her, yeah. and they were just like, you know, here's medicine, have her take it. So after she was pretty much, well, you know, while she was, uh, before she had put it in there, like her neighbor, um, this kind of like real trailer trash type guy, um, he was an alcoholic, so I mean, that kind of just sets right there what kind of guy's you know, what he was poor influence for sure, basically. And so, like, whenever she got out, you know, he would they were. I guess because of like what she was going through and the schizophrenia, she basically latched onto this guy. And because, you know, my dad still had his girlfriend, she was, she latched onto whoever she could. Yeah. And so she chose this guy because he was right next door and he was not the guy that needed to be around her at the time. So, I mean, really, um, once she, you know, once she got out, she was still this still angry type person, you know, lashing out, you know, she would kind of beat the shit out of him just because she could. And he just kind of took it Hmm. well. And then it was just, it was just strange. So, um, yeah. So, uh, eventually I wouldn't, I don't want to say that she snapped out of it, but eventually like during the winter, she came down from being this super angry lashing out person to just being emotionless and so i did a lot of research on schizophrenia lately and that is actually what happens is that they will they will see i she didn't i don't think she always saw like hallucinations but she was kind of like seeing stuff that wasn't there mm-hmm. she was hearing things that weren't there on so what perception and reality is a weird thing. It's a man. weird thing. I mean, our mind truly creates the world mm-hmm. we live in. This experience here, right? Like yep. your perception and Rick's perception and mine are all totally different, different. right yep. now. And uh, that's just what's so weird about, you know, everything that had happened was when she would sit there and tell us like, you know, I can hear, you know, angels are talking to me and this and that. And we're like, you're losing it. Like, no, they're not like, stop, stop thinking this. But in her mind, because she's schizophrenic now, that's that she believes it. Like that yeah. was actually real to her, and to, you know, so that's that's you know, mm-hmm. you know, perspective on everything, and so everybody's reality can be different. And so whenever your your brain is doing this, and you know, I don't want to say playing tricks, but it's what it's doing. Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult. So she eventually comes down off of this, and now she's more like this depressed sad type person but she doesn't remember anything and that's what was weird i would tell her something from like hey do you remember and i would test it just to see hey do you remember you know last summer whenever we did this nope Hmm. don't remember any of it do you remember when i was a kid um kind of but not really so it was almost like she didn't really remember anything from her life and uh, like, like she just blocked it all out exactly and it was just i don't know what really caused her to like come down from that like 
psychotic type episode, but then she just became like emotionless. So when I was doing my research on schizophrenia, basically, uh, that happens is like, you know, they'll have the hallucinations, they'll have the delusions and everything, but then they can also become this emotionless, flatless person that just kind of backs away from everybody. And so when I was doing the research, I was like, man, that actually makes sense. Like what, what happened then? But I don't, the only thing I couldn't find was what can, what makes it change? What makes somebody go from the psychotic episode to coming down to just being a flat, emotionless person? Yeah. And I couldn't find anything. So it's like, maybe I need to go talk to like a specialist and see like, hey, what are the causes? What makes this, what what makes these changes? What What can cause it? And maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah, so. yeah, because I don't, I mean, those are some good questions, right? I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> you go from one extreme to the other where you're mm-hmm. extremely emotional. And, and I don't know if maybe that's just like, if we're just, as I'm here, like, speculating. I don't know if maybe it's just like, like the phases, like in the beginning, like, yeah. you're, like you're fucking angry right. at everything. You it, know what I mean? And that could very well be it. And that's, you know, uh, that's really the only thing I could think of was maybe it comes in phases for certain people. And maybe that's what happened with her. Right. Was that it came in phases of, you know, for like basically six months, she was this angry, you know, lashing out person. And then all of a sudden the next phase hits and then she's just very depressed. Yeah. It's like sad. Sad. It's like hopeless. Yeah. Like like, I would sit, you know, we would sit there and, you know, watch, like watch a funny movie or something. I'd be laughing my ass off. I look over at her and she's just not like, not even phased. And I'm like, that's not right. Yeah. I can only imagine what she's going through because like from my own experience getting divorced, um, like I was the one who moved out of the house and like not being there with my kids all the time. That can, that's hard. Dude, that was super hard. Yeah. Cause like I was, I, I'm a very nurturing like guy. So it's like, I was always giving them the baths and like putting them to bed. Right. And then like all of a sudden I don't have that anymore. Yeah. And it can be fucking very, like a very right. hopeless feeling. And when I'm not there the whole time, you know, yeah. it doesn't make it easier. It's so. like son's not there. I yeah. lost my husband fucking he's with another woman Mm -hmm. what the fuck do i matter right you know if i'm just trying to put myself in her shoes so yeah so you know this went on for a while and uh she was dating that guy yeah she was like still dating him but then the rules kind of turned so you know i I said that she would kind of abuse him like they'd be laying in bed or whatever you know and but anytime i would stay over there like she would elbow him in the ribs like super hard and oh, he'd, he'd yell out. And so it was like that kind of thing where like she just kind of beat the crap out of him. But yeah. now these roles reversed. Oh. Now he was tired of taking the ass weapons because he noticed that she was not as angry and she had kind of come down from it. Then it was like his turn. That kind of sent some weakness. Right. And so, of course, like the doctors had prescribed um, medication. I can't remember exactly what it was. They had prescribed medication for her schizophrenia. Yeah. Well, this guy basically was sitting there telling, you don't need to take it. That's white man's medicine. You don't need to take it, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, really? So then she's not taking medicine like she's supposed to. So me and my dad are sitting here going, like, well, we're not there all the time to make her take her medicine. He's forcing her not to take it. What the hell do we do now? So Yeah. Yeah, so um, there was one night where, you know, because I, we knew how sad she was. She, we knew how she was acting. So I'd called her multiple times, and she just wasn't answering the phone. And I'm like... I know you're home. You don't have a job. And it's like seven o'clock at night. I'm like, why are you not answering your phone? Yeah. And I had called and called and texted and called and just nothing. So that's when I got worried. And so I told my dad and he was like, well, do you want to go over there? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's go over there. See what's going on. So uh, we drive over there and like, this is, I'm thinking like, this is it. She did something stupid. Yeah. So we get over there, knock on the door and uh, her neighbor answers. And yeah, I could tell he was a little drunk, you know, 
And so, uh, but the whole house, like all the lights were turning off, but there was like, like a candle or two lit. And so he, uh, he turns and, uh, he's like, Misty, you have company. And so, you know, she comes out and she's just crying, just in tears. And I'm like, mom, why weren't you answering the phone? And she just didn't really have an answer. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm like, I, I thought something happened to you. Da da da. And so she was like, no, she's like, no, no, I promise I would never do anything like that. I promise I would never do anything like that. And I was like, okay, so me and my dad are sitting there trying to talk to her. And she's not saying much because her neighbor is there. Yeah. And so my dad had said, like, you need to go in the other room. I need to speak to her one-on-one. Like, it's obvious she's acting weird because he's there. Exactly. And so um, we had basically, you know, my dad was like, look, do you want him here or not? Because if you don't want him here, I will, you know, I will tell him he needs to go back over to his place and leave you alone for good. And it took, like, I'm not even kidding, five, ten minutes to finally get it out of her because she was scared to death of this man at this point. Oh, wow. And because he basically abused her. I don't even want to know what else had happened, but basically he was abusing the hell out of her. And so Physically and verbally? Yep. Yep. And so he was he was right around the corner um, in her bedroom from, like, the, the kitchen, the living room. And so um, she finally said it was, like, I don't want him here. I, I don't want him here. And we were like, look, if you don't want him here, we can make sure – for a fact that he never comes back. And so, you know, uh, we tell him like, Hey, come back out here. She doesn't want you here. You can leave me. He goes, well, I want to hear it from her. And she, fi- she said it because we were standing there. She's like, I don't want you here. He's like, okay. So he left. So that was, I want to say that was probably, Oh man, March. Uh, yeah. March, April ish. I want to say, I want to say, but probably about March is when, you know, we told him he needs to stay away. So for like next couple months, like I'm helping her try to get a job. Like I'm taking her to get job applications and trying to get her back up on her feet. So after a couple of months goes by, she's getting a little better. You know, I'll crack a joke and she's smiling a little bit more. She's talking a little bit more because that was the thing. She wasn't talking. She wasn't smiling. She just didn't really do anything. Yeah. So this and, is like all kind of refreshing. I imagine to see. Yeah. It was like, she's getting, and I even told my dad, I'm like, she's getting better. Like we're on the right track. Like it's going to be a long road, but we're, we're getting there. And then, uh, and so, yeah, so this goes on for a couple months. I'm helping her. And then in May I called her when I was at school. I was like, Hey, I want to come over and I want to hang out with you. And, uh, she was like, okay. Um, she's like, yeah, that's fine. Come on over. So I go over there and I open the door. And he's sitting on the couch, drunk. Mm. So he's back over. And I could, and I looked at my mom, and she had this, like, look of she knew I was pissed and yeah. disappointed. So he was drunk. Um, so, like, I sit down, and I'm like, I really just want to hang out with my mom. I don't give a shit about this guy. And so we're sitting there, and he's uh, trying to talk to me about, like, I have these math books I can give you, and they're really good. And I'm like, dude, I don't even care about school right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, why are you talking right, to me? Like, I, like, don't, why are you talking to me? And so my mom had said, she she had said something, or I think it was like, like, he doesn't like math. And, like, he turned to it, and he was like, bitch, shut the fuck up. And I was like, whoa. And, that, and like, you're going to say that in front of me. Yeah. Okay. So Imagine that's. what he's doing you're not around. Exactly. And so that, so that kind of made it clear of, like, what happened when you know i wasn't there that this was bad yeah so i made an excuse and i you know i was like hey mom you know my buddies i gotta go pick him up from detention da, da, da. so she's like okay and i gave her a hug and uh, i gave her a hug out on the front uh, 
um, like the, her driveway or whatever. So I left and like I uh, went across the street to – she lived in Lake St. Louis, so there's like a J.C. Penny over there. So I go over there and I call my dad and I'm like, hey, he's back over there and he's drunk. He's being a total dick. He's told her to, to shut the hell up and this and that. And he's like, all right, well, I'll call you back. Do you know how long he had been around like back in the picture? Like any – See, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say if maybe he just wasn't there when I was coming over. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to say, like, how long he was like. I want to say maybe only a couple weeks. Uh-huh. Or it, maybe less than that, but it's really hard to say how long he was coming back over. Yeah. And so um, he, had a, he, he had a cousin that lived on the other side of him, and then he lived with his brother. Now, uh, his cousin on the other side was a little weird, too, um, but his brother was actually a pretty decent guy for the most part, so we never really had an issue with him. Um, but so I left and, you know, get off the phone with my dad, and he's like, okay, well, I'll call you back. So I'm like walking around JCPenney, and I'm not even kidding. It was like 20 minutes later. I don't even know how my dad got over there so fast, but he did. And uh, he calls me, and he's like, I just beat the fuck out of him. And I was like, you did what? <laughs> I was like, please tell me you're not going to jail right now because I don't need to come get you. Oh, my goodness. I'd be so worried about <laughs> or, that. Yeah, that's that was the number one thing. I was like, please tell me nobody called the cops. He's like, no, I'm already gone. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened? So he goes over there and he walks into my mom's apartment and she's just standing in the middle of the living room just shaking, just crying, shaking. And he's like, you know, where is he? And uh, she didn't say nothing. She wouldn't say anything. So I was surprised like he wasn't still in the trailer. So my dad had walked actually outside, and he was sitting there on his deck. And my dad walked over, and he goes, look, she's still my wife. I told you to stay the fuck away from her, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so he – this guy was such an idiot. He looks at my dad, and he goes, well, you gave her to me. And right then, that's when my dad hit him. Lost his shit. Lost his shit, jumped up on the deck, started beating him. Well, his brother came out and was like, all right, Mark, you know, that's enough. Like, he understood what was, what was going on. Yeah. So what um, – I – I didn't put this part in the video that I posted, but uh, basically what happened was that whenever my dad had left the neighbor across the street, they lived in a cul-de-sac. Basically, as soon as my dad left, he went right back over there and beat the shit out of my mom. Really? As soon as that happened. Took it out on her. Yep. Oh, wow. Because he knew he couldn't do anything to my dad. Right. So, he, yeah, so he, he took it some back. some sort of power. And he exactly. Like just transferred the fucking, you know, his weakness. And mm-hmm. Wow. So, Yeah. So, I mean, that was just, like, one of the things we had heard. Uh, I know that they were kind of having, like, a cul-de-sac party. And this guy hated my dad for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, so I know that, um, like, one of the things that completely broke my heart whenever uh, the neighbor told me this is that, like, they were up on his deck during a party. They were talking, and she had mentioned my dad's name. And his deck was probably about, eh, like three, four feet off the ground, and he just pushed her off the deck. Whoa. And she fell right on her back and was just crying, you know, basically crying my dad's name because she, she wanted him there. Yeah. And so, like, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, God. And so, uh, you know, so after that, you know, uh, the next day, it was, um, it was like, man, like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and she calls me. She's crying. And she's like, hey, just once you know that I always love you. And I was like, well, are you okay? You know, now remember, let's rewind back, I don't know, four or five months. And where she said, I will never do anything to hurt myself. Right, because you're worried when you went over there. She goes, I will never hurt myself. Don't worry, you know. So when she calls me, I'm just thinking maybe she's just telling me that she loves me or whatever. Um, You know, once again, I'm 15. I'm not thinking about it. And so, but I knew something was up. I was like do I need to come over there? And she's like, no, just know that I always love you. And I'm like, well, okay, if I need to come over there, let me know. Um, 
and she was like, okay, okay, well, that's not necessary, you know, and I was like, okay, so, of course, you know, next day, I go to school, I'm having a great day at school, and then it was my fourth hour, like, my biology class, and uh, one of the, uh, like, head office ladies comes in and goes, Chaz, you need to grab your stuff, I was kind of like, okay, that's, that's a little weird, and it flashed through my mind, and I was like, no, I was like, this has to be for something else, so I go down to the, um, the counselor's office or whatever, and my dad and my uncle are sitting there teary-eyed with tissues, and that's when I kind of knew something was, you know, something was definitely wrong, and my dad was like, you know, mom passed away this morning, and I was like, and it took me, like, I didn't even process it at first. I was like, how? How? And they were like, well, she hung herself, and I was like, oh, and, you know, I start crying, I didn't want to believe it, and I was just like, I didn't think it was actually this bad. Like, I did not know that we were getting that bad. And then, like, it took me actually a couple hours to remember the conversation from the night before. And so I told my dad, I was like, Mom called me last night and told me, you know, no matter what happens, she will always love me. Yeah. And that's when he was like, well, she called you for a reason. So where I get very conflicted on what had happened, I've talked to so many people about this, and it's so hard to come to a conclusion is this guy – had treated her so bad and was such a big part in in her life was maybe did he force her to commit suicide and make it look that way? I don't know. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, the thing about schizophrenia that I, I did read was that 20 to 40% of people who have schizophrenia attempt suicide. 5% actually complete suicide. Hmm. So it's hard to say. Um, the reason why is at this point, my mom is like 105 pounds. She hadn't been eating anything like that. Whenever we got over to her, or the, the way that, um, you know, I was like, how, how did we find out, you know, everything. So the neighbor across the street, he was sitting outside and he saw this lady walking and, uh, you know, she was walking her dog and she, you know, she turned, she stopped at um, the tree, kept walking, stopped looking again. He was like, what, what is she looking at? And he goes over there and saw my mom hanging from the tree. So she hung... She hanged herself from the tree, like, outside. Right outside her, her uh, trailer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was weird about it was she had a, she had a dog who was uh, American Miniature Eskimo, and she had, like, tied him up outside, like, I guess, to uh, – she had, like, a rod in the ground that, you know, she just tied him up. Yeah. And she tied him up out there. And that's where I was like, that is the most bizarre thing is, like, why would she just not leave him inside, like – it didn't really make sense to us. Yeah. Um, so that was something that was weird. Uh, and so we basically, you know, we were trying to figure this out. And so when my dad was like, hey, you know, can we get an investigation done on this? Like, this is very strange. And basically because of, you know, when she was lashing out, she had called the cops on my dad multiple times. Um, whenever she came out of the psych ward, she would call me in the middle of school and be like, hey, can you, like, she couldn't drive, obviously. And she was like, hey, can you bring me my car? I'm like, mom, I'm in the middle of school, I can't leave here. I don't even have my license yet. Yeah. And so, you know, it was those kinds of things. So whenever we asked for an investigation, the cops straight up told my dad, like, well, she's called the cops on you multiple times. So maybe we need to start looking into you. And he's like, are you serious right now? Like my wife just hung herself and now you want to start accusing me. Yeah. And so it's usually the first person, of course, yeah. <laughs> like every, every movie that goes wrong ever. Yeah. And that's what it was like. And that's just why it's like, when I tell my story, I'm like, man, it's people need to understand that, you know, let's let's take the equation, him out of the equation. Let's say she actually did commit suicide. People need to understand that that is not the answer. There's always a way to fix things. So, I mean, she was so far in debt because once she came down from everything, he was taking her credit cards, 
racking them up, maxing them out, buying tools from Home Depot, Lowe's, any, anywhere, and then pawning them for beer money. Oh, so wow. she's got all these bills racked up, and she can't do anything about it. She can only maybe try to dig herself out. But I didn't – at 15, they're not going to tell me, you know – how much is racked up or anything like that. Yeah, you only but get I, so much information. Right, and they didn't want to tell me, but I knew, I was like, it's a lot. It, I can I can tell it's going to be, it's a lot. And so that's why I was like, Mom, we can, you know, we got to at least try to start getting out. You know, I was like, there's always a way. And that's, that's what people need to understand is that there's always a way, no matter how bad your debt is, how messed up your relationships are, it's never worth it because you affect so many people. The amount of people that showed up for her funeral, I was blown away by because it was, my friends, my dad's friends, her friends, family. And it was just like, there wasn't enough seats in that place. Yeah. And so it was just like, if she only knew how many people were here that really cared. Yeah. I think that just kind of highlights like the importance of community. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just the, the support that we have around us, you know, the people that, you know, we associate with, like, it's very, very important. For sure. And if you don't have like a strong support system or you don't have like those people around you, like on a regular basis, because it sounds like she was around some folks when she was in the trailer park. Yeah. That just weren't good. They weren't supportive. Right. And it's, it it can just put you in a very deep, dark spot where you feel very hopeless. Yeah. And it's, there's just so, I mean, man, I just, I try to recall so many of the events, like I've tried to let them go over the years, but man, it's like after, uh, after Halloween, because she was still in the psych ward during that time, she went out to, like, Walmart and Target and bought a ton of Halloween stuff. And, like, me and my dad walked into her trailer, and it was just where my room was. It was – you couldn't walk into it. Oh, it yeah. was, like, kids' costumes, decorations, candy, all this Halloween all stuff. All that clearance. All that clearance. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was after Halloween, and I was yeah. like – and I was like, Mom, why did you buy all this? And she's like, well, you guys put me in the psych ward, so I had to celebrate Halloween somehow. I'm like, yeah, but you spent a bunch of money on stuff you don't need, like kids' right. costumes and stuff like that that's not needed. It didn't make sense. It, and it, none of it made sense. And so I was like, you need to return all this. Get your money back. And she was like, well, I'll try. I'm like, no, you will. <laughs> you will return all yeah. of it. And so it's just, you know, stuff like that. Um, some of that weird – just that's some of the crazy weird stuff that had happened. Um and so, you know, when it, you know, and then it's like the after effect that it had on me too. Like I was very depressed and I was, you know, to the point where I was, the problem with when somebody commits suicide and the after effect that it has on somebody is that you never really get over that because you never get the full answers. Why um, people who commit suicide, they don't leave notes. That's why like this is going to sound really bad when I say this. And so I might upset some people, but like a lot of people will sit there on social media and reach out like, ah, yeah, I, I'm going to kill myself. If you put it out there on social media, you're probably not going to do it. And that's, that's probably pretty much just fishing for sympathy. You're, you're fishing for sympathy. The people that actually commit suicide, they just do it. Yeah. They don't usually tell people no, like they don't. Cause you don't like, I remember whenever I was like, <clears throat> Whenever I was, like, sitting in my car and I was, like, thinking about killing mm-hmm. myself, like, I just felt so alone. And, mm-hmm. like, you don't feel like you can tell anybody. Right. You don't feel like there's anybody to talk to. You just feel like everything is horrible and there's no hope, which is a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, like, this is the answer, like, a way out. But to your point, like, it's yeah. it's not the answer. Like, it's that's not. that's a very, f- like definite solution for something that can be very temporary life is fucking long long 
and you Very can long. you can go from rock bottom to like the top of the mountain in like five years. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you can have a completely different life in five years. Yeah, and that's the thing is that we, uh, you know, and I knew that even if we talked to some of these credit card companies and the people that she owed debt to, look, this is this is what's going on. She was diagnosed. You know, give us the chance to at least try to dig ourselves out of it because the problem was is that my dad's name was attached to those credit cards so after she killed herself he's still stuck with those yeah he was stuck with those and he was like what am i gonna we you know you can't call the company and say this is our life story and then she killed herself and they're gonna be like we don't care we want our money like hey you're you're the husband (laughs) exactly you're you're on this your name's on it so how do we know you didn't rack up these charges yeah so and that that was the biggest problem so luckily like you know they kind of worked something out with him but I mean, it was not, he still had to pay it. And yeah. so there was that, um, you know, and then, you know, I went through a lot of depression afterwards, you know, um, it's, it's one of those things like when it happens, everybody's there for you. But when it happened, it was kind of one of those things like I didn't even want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, people were just, you know, people that, you know, weren't even really truly my friends, but were like, I'm here if you need anything, I'm here if you need anything. And it was just kind of like the biggest thing I told people was, once she did pass away that it almost felt like a relief because she wasn't going through pain anymore. She wasn't being abused by him anymore. And that's the last thing I wanted was obviously her for her to commit suicide, but it was kind of like, we don't have to worry about, is she okay anymore? Yeah. It sounds like you took a lot of ownership to this whole process, which probably isn't common for a lot of kids in those situations. Yeah. And so it was, it was very tough. Um, so like I did take a lot of ownership and it was one of those things of like, then about like, you know, so that happens in May and then, you know, Halloween you know, or uh, like Thanksgiving hits, Christmas hits the first ones and then people aren't there anymore when you need them. They're like, well, that happened eight months ago. Like, why aren't you over? And it's like, because the holidays are the hardest. And then yeah. she committed suicide literally the, uh, the Wednesday before Mother's Day. And I was like, oh, that's even great. You oh, know? Yeah. And then so like that hit me the day of. I was like, and Mother's Day is Sunday. And how many of those people <laughs> lost a parent? You know what right. I mean? It's just like like somebody that you feel is like a constant who's mm-hmm. like going to be there. And then all of a sudden like you wake up one yeah. day. And-, and the thing is, is like I think even as kids, like we kind of think about it a little bit like – what if I was to lose a parent? And then you think about it for a second. You're like, nah, it'll never happen. And then when it does, you're like, oh, damn. Like, yeah. my life has changed forever. And that's. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> couldn't imagine. I can I can think of times, like, growing up where, like, I've woken up from, like, a terrible nightmare where, like, my mom yeah. died. Yep. And I can remember experiencing those feelings of just, like, being very lost. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, in the dream, it's, like, it's this day and like she's no longer on like i can't call her anymore right like, i can't go over there and talk to her anymore yep. and it was like a very sobering feeling mm-hmm. and i was like fuck dude like i couldn't like imagine actually having to live with right. that feeling in real life yeah and that's you know now we're on the you know on the subject of dreams it's like i don't know how many times i've had these dreams of her faking her death and that is the one that will I will be so off for the rest of the day is that like I'll have these dreams where she fake her like she fakes her death and then I run into her in public and I'm like oh, what what I thought I saw like I saw you in the and you know she can't really give me like an explanation yeah and I was like well we can go in I've and this happens almost every dream is it's like well we can go back you know to how things were before right and she's like no we can't and then she like she doesn't want to be around me at all. And so it's like I've had multiple of these dreams, and I'm like, 
this just screws me up for, you know, the rest of the day, the next yeah. couple of days because I'm thinking about it. So, yeah. Well, how um, did you like during that time? Like, how, how did you cope? Like, how, like, what were some things? <laughs> so, um, it's uh, not long, you know, it was uh, that following winter after she passed away. Um, one of my friends had moved in with me. Um, I had a couple of friends that moved in with my dad that just, he knew I needed some close friends to help me be there and so um i had one friend moved in who had been my best friend since we were kids he moved in then he went off to the military and then you know a friend i had met through him moved in because he needed a place to stay and really he was the one that kind of kept me grounded for the most part um and actually that's the way that i you know fell in love with mma and jujitsu was that was actually what kind of kept me grounded now i'm 17 so i can't sign a contract or anything or sign any paperwork for like an MMA gym or jujitsu gym. But, um, like I remember this day very vividly, um, that me and him actually got into an argument and he left, he left the house pissed off. And I was like, at that point I was like, look, I just lost a big group of my friends that I had at school. We'd gotten into a big argument. They kind of backstabbed me in a way I didn't have them anymore. And I was like, you know, they're gone. My mom's gone. Uh, you know, my dad's trying to do everything he can he had just opened up a tattoo shop but he's struggling with money because it's so inconsistent you guys tattoo artist uh my dad was um but yeah he um so uh (laughs) so yeah he had a he had a tattoo shop for uh six years and actually burned down there was a loose wire um, that yeah completely burned it down like three four o'clock in the morning so that that sucked it was uh i don't know fallon but yeah he he that's kind of what kept us afloat afterwards yeah and so uh so it was pretty it was it was very interesting but yeah this this one vivid day, you know, we get into this argument and I'm just like, man, it's like, fuck it all. I just don't care anymore. And so I, I kind of sent him, he didn't get very far. He was like right down the road at the gas station. But I sent him a text. I was like, you know what, man? I was like, you can be pissed off me. I was like, I don't even fucking care. Cause I'm, I'm just going to fucking end it all. I was like, I don't even care anymore. And the next thing I know, he's peeling into my driveway and he runs in my room and he just tackles me. Who's this? He, uh, just one of my friends. One of your friends. Yeah. Okay. And he tackles me and he's like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I just can't, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, uh, cause I mean, there was that, my girlfriend at the time had left me and it was just a very, very oh, yeah. hard time. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm just losing everything right now. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was like, man, I don't even know. And you know, he, we had gotten like an MMA, we had watched it and stuff and thought it was really cool. And, uh, I don't know. When did you start doing MMA? Um, I started my, I had my very first fight in 2008. Okay, where did you start at? I was independent, actually. Really? Yeah, okay. so I had my first four fights. I was independent, and then I started training at St. Charles in May in 2009. Okay, so the gym that we went to was right across the street. It was Domain MMA. Domain? Yeah. yeah. So we went there a couple of times, but once again, they wanted me to sign a contract. I was 17, and my dad was like, look, I don't think that you can pay this every month type thing. And so he didn't want me to, but I did go do a few classes there and I loved it. Yeah. Even though I got the shit beat out of me every time yeah. that I went in there. Dustin Sievers and Jeff Henry, I think. Yeah. Were yep. That. Yep. They were running it. Um, a friend of mine had brought me up to like an old gym that was like right by skate galaxy or whatever. And Jeff was there at the time. And then he left to go to domain. And so, but I was like, man, I was like, I love this. So we, you know, we went in there. He's like, you want to go up there and try out a class? I was like, yeah. And then I was like, the feeling that I had after that, I was like, I'm good. Like everything's okay. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And so, you know, that's, that's actually what helped was, you know, I had done some MMA classes and I had gotten into it. And then by the time that I turned 18, um, you know, I went into JWs, um, 
I just I had heard a lot about him, and yeah. so I looked on the website. And uh, one of my friends on North Carolina was like, "Look, if you can learn from him, go in there and do it." And I was yeah. like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." And then from there, like, that's it. So it was like, honestly, that's you know, jujitsu saved your jiu-jitsu life. Jujitsu basically saved my life, man. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, I I needed something to help me cope with what I was going through because there was just so many uh, emotions that was going through me and that people didn't understand. And so it was, uh, it was just difficult, man. That's, I, I mean, that's a lot of things. Jiu-jitsu did save my life, but it's crazy because back then I never thought it would. Yeah. I didn't even know jujitsu was when my mom passed away. I had not a clue what it was. Yeah. So, and it, what was, and what was really funny was like, um, I had taken some pictures of the gym and everything cause I thought th- the cage was cool cause it was like my first time experiencing it. And I'm not even kidding. A year later, the exact day that my mom and I had passed away and they had told me, the exact hour that they had pulled me out of class, the principal comes in and pulls me out of class. And uh, and like all my friends know, that was not an easy day for me. And all of them are sitting there going, did his dad do something? What the hell? Like, you know, that exact hour, exact day, the following year. And so luckily it was like some kids were – trying to do some like underground type fight club at the oh, school, yeah. like before, <laughs> like before class. And of course, so of course, like I'm texting with one of my buddies about like, I think it was like the rampage or shot Evans fight that was coming up. And I'm like, Oh, oh school, school. Yeah. So he's like reading through text messages on my phone about fights coming up. And I'm like this, and I had nothing to do with whatever these guys were doing because I was like, no, I'm, I'm trying to go into a gym and actually learn like the right way. Yeah. And so he's like looking through pictures and he sees like the pictures of the cage and the mats. And I'm just like, I'm in so much shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I like, I told, I was like, look, I don't know what they're doing because somebody had dropped my name because they knew I was getting into it. And I was like, look, I have nothing to do with that. I was like, I was like spending my mornings in the choir room. Um, and I was like, you can go ask my teacher. She see me in there every single morning at this time. And, you know, they had let me off the hook. But yeah. I was like, I was like, man. And so when I went back in, they were like, is everything okay? You know, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Thank God. But I was like, and so uh, <laughs> I never got an apology from the principal. But when the counselor <laughs> found out, because the counselor had helped me out a lot too, she was like, you seriously pulled him out of class the same hour on the same day the uh, a year after his mom passed away what are you thinking? And so, yeah, man, it was, it was difficult. Um, that was, that was, you know, the roughest time in my life. And even to this day, like it still messes with me. Uh, you know, I basically came to terms with it for years and then it's like all of a sudden 10 years later, like I've really been trying to do more research on it and everything like that. Um, just because, you know, a lot of people don't really, they don't, know anybody or experience anybody with schizophrenia or uh psychosis psychosis is just like a side effect from schizophrenia which is the delusions the the hallucinations and stuff like that so um what a lot of people don't understand is that those are just it's a that psychosis is a group of symptoms that comes off uh, schizophrenia Uh. so like if you've ever if you've ever played the game until dawn i've never played it you never played it um that that talks a lot about um a guy that goes through psychosis because he lost his sister the year before. Oh. So it's like a decision-making game. But, you know, once I started, I was watching a YouTuber play it. And then he was kind of, you know, descri- you know, describing what was going on. It was like, that is the same crap that went on with my mom. Like, I need to do more research into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another game that came out. Um, what was it called? 
Sensua's sacrifice, same thing. It's about a woman who had lost her husband that's going through psychosis. You know, it's like an adventure battle game. But everything she's going through is all in her head. It's not real. Mm. And so she's trying to, like, save her, her husband from, you know, the depths of hell or whatever. But she it's all in her head. Yeah. And so that's where it's like people don't understand is, like, even though – something like that's a video game that happens in people's real life that that is their perspective and that's what they're seeing dude art imitates <laughs> life dude it's it's crazy man so yeah it was that was the craziest time in my life man it's something i never thought would happen you know me and my dad still talk about it time to time we've never seen that guy he moved out of the trailer park i can't even remember his i know his first name i can't remember his last name he's on the run bro <sighs> man i know my dad has said that he ran into him at a bar one time and the dude just jetted yeah but after that we've never seen him yeah so dude that's a that's a fucking that's definitely a tough situation to live through especially like i think about whenever i was a teenager and like i have a little brother who's 19 and um like your brain's not even fully developed yet no, you know what i no, mean that's and 21 25 25 25 yeah. and like you don't even know who the fuck you are no. and like you're still trying to figure it out and then during this time where you're focused on school and maybe some sports mm -hmm. and, you know, eventually graduation and what happens after that. It's like you're now thrown into this, like, whole world of, like, adult shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That isn't typically normal for people at that time. And, like, when I was, I was like, as I'm listening to, like, the, like, you know, the story of your mom and, you know, the, the purpose is, you know, to shed light on, like, mental health mm -hmm. and, and different things and, I always think about like, you know, there's the, the importance of community, mm -hmm. but then there's also like the importance of like just being healthy. You right. know what I mean? Like, are you getting, are you eating well? Right. Are you exercising? Like, are you doing these things as opposed to which like a lot of the doctors just going to give you some medication. Some medication. You know what I mean? It, it, Here's yeah. a pill for some symptoms. Yep. You know what you I go, mean? And then it's got more side effects. Well, you need another pill for those symptoms. And then there's more. No. Right. You know, I, I get it, like, with some people that do have mental illnesses that are, like, actually, you know, things that can't necessarily be completely solved by, you know, exercise and sunlight. Right. Like that. But like, those things can help. Like, they help. Do it all together. Exactly. You can't, you know, you can't just say, well, I'm going to eat McDonald's every day and take this one pill, you know, take, take Prozac or whatever, and then I'm good. No. You really need to exercise you need to get the circulation going you need everything you know you like, need it all working like our gut is our second brain yep. and what we're learning like you know serotonin our feel-good hormone 90 mm -hmm. percent of those neurotransmitters are yep. produced in the gut so literally like your gut affects the way you interpret the world as well right. so it's like again to your point like it's not necessary it, it may not be the answer for everybody you know right. some people they may ch make some lifestyle changes you know join a jiu-jitsu gym yeah. so now you're getting exercise and you're getting community and right. then you start eating well and you're drinking water and that may do the trick for you but if you are also doing those things with the medication right like you're gonna have probably a much better, a better effect right you know what i mean yeah and that's um you know, back then, I wish I would have known a lot more of this because then I probably been like, hey, mom, let's go get you some fruits and vegetables instead of you right. know, eating these crappy foods from, right. you know, these TV dinners and stuff. And that's, yeah, that's a huge thing. It's like, you know, if, if you're starting to feel depressed or anything like that, definitely try to, you know, look at some of the, maybe some of the factors around you, you know, what is bringing me down? Cause I've had to do that a lot of times. I've had to remove myself from situations that were kind of bringing me down. Yeah. And you know, if it's the people, if it's, you know, whatever around you, the food you're eating, the environment, you know, not getting enough exercise. Like there are times, you know, we all get down in those slumps and then you just sit there and you're kind of like, 
what am I doing with my life? You know? And then I have to sit back and I, and I go through a checklist of like, well, how have I been eating? How's my relationship with my wife at home? You know, what's going on at work? You know, you know what, and then what, you know, what are the small factors that are kind of bringing me down? Like there was a group chat that I was in for a little bit and it was, it was kind of negative. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, joking on people. But after a while, like some people get really upset. It wears wears you down. And it wears you down. And then, so I had finally gotten to the point where I was like, I don't even want to be in this anymore. I was like, all this does is just bring negative energy. I don't want anything to do with it. And I just removed myself from it. I was like, I'm done. I, you know, you guys have fun, whatever. I was like, but I need, I need to get away from this. So, and I was finding that I was like on my phone a lot. And it's like, that's the one thing about jujitsu is it detaches you from your phone, from technology. And it makes you, uh, you know, it makes you socialize with other people. Yeah, you have to be present. You have to. And, you know, that's, that's the big thing is like, even, I mean, and we all have our days where, you know, we'll be on the mat and we'll still be thinking about that outside world. But for the most part, you know, I'd say 95% of the time, I'm not thinking about the outside world. Yeah. So, it's like a form of, of meditation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. It just helps you be present. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that, um, you know, it's, you know, if I, uh, like I said, a lot of people reached out to me after that video and I was very surprised on people or, you know, reach out and it's like, Hey, just so you know, you, you saved my life. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you saved my life. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm not going to ask you any more questions unless you want to come to me. And so, you know, that's why I told a lot of people, I'm like, look, just reach out to somebody. You know, if, if you're serious, if you're really in a dark place, like reach out to somebody, see, you know, if you need to reach out to maybe a doctor or even a friend, family, friend, it's, it's one of those things where you need to talk to somebody because if you keep it bottled up, it, it's going to end badly. And that, that was the thing was like, you know, I wish if I have any regrets in life, it's when my mom called me, I didn't hop in my car that second, drive my ass over there and be like, what's going on? But we don't necessarily know what time she committed suicide. So I might've been walking into something horrifying too. Yeah. So, so um, but, right after. Right. But at the same time, I could have stayed on the phone with her longer. I could have maybe talked her away from it. So, I mean, it's one of those things of like, you know, we, we talk, I've been seeing it a lot on Facebook and social media of like, this is, you know, it's, uh, this is like the face of depression. It's like Robin Williams and all the other actors and stuff that are like recently committed suicide. And it's, it's like, I, I understand that. So yes, even if somebody seems happy, just, it doesn't take anything to reach and make, Hey, you all right? You, you doing okay? Yeah, just reach out to the people you even care if, about. Even if they seem like they're doing fine, you still might want to reach out to them and just be like, Hey, you, hey, you doing all right, man? Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't necessarily have to be showing signs of being upset or depressed like you just never know they they might be showing off as they're fine but deep down they might not be especially in the world of social media right i mean everybody's putting their best foot forward they're just showing you what they want to show you you know what i mean it's just everybody's living in a state of comparison which yeah comparison is the thief of joy it it really is yeah i mean uh man social media has connected us but it has done uh, it, I, I think it's connected us, but it's divided us in so many yeah. ways too. Pluses and, and minuses for and sure. That, yeah, it's crazy because it's like back then, you know, when my mom did commit suicide, the big thing was MySpace, and so yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so like cool. I, so I, I sit there and I think back to the MySpace days, and I'm like, that was just the start of it. Oh and yeah, then, that was just the start. We yeah. had our top friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to you want to talk about making people what, feel what shitty? Do you mean? I, what do you mean? I'm not your top, your your number one friend. Why is this dickhead your number one <laughs> friend? And so it's like then you get to you know I remember when Facebook 
Facebook first came out, I was like, I don't understand none of that. And then, you know, then it took over. Then it's Twitter, that Twitter, then it's Instagram and Snapchat. And so we, we've definitely become connected. But, man, I feel that it's also depressed a lot of people, too, because sure. people do compare themselves. Like you said, it's like, you know, you start looking at some of the people from, you know, you went to school with or that you used to know and how well they're doing. You're like, damn, I'm not doing that good. Man, there's, you know, my best friend that, you know, uh, that did help me through a lot of stuff with my mom when she was going through it, you know, he's going to, uh, like he's in pharmacy school, like, and he's killing it. I'm like, that guy's going to be making a lot of money, but I have to remind myself, like, I, that's not the path I chose. He's doing great. Awesome for him. Proud of him. Great. Good job. But I have to focus on myself. Yeah. And I have to focus on what I have. And I can't, you know, I have friends that make a ton of money, but I can never compare, compare myself to them yeah. because then you do start to fall into that place of depression of like, I'm not good enough. And that's where I feel social media has very divided a lot of people because they compare themselves. It will so. do that. One thing I, I would like, I feel like I'd be remiss to note, like as we're talking about this, because if you are like truly like depressed, mm-hmm. I feel like you should, you should definitely take steps, you know, to, to, I don't know, be better. You know, yeah. Be, for lack of a better yeah. phrase there. But also sometimes like, I feel like society has um, gotten to this place to where it's like, you're always supposed to be happy. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like it's okay to be sad sometimes, yeah. and in fact, it's normal, and mm. you can't really appreciate the great times right. unless you do go through sometimes like those down times. Right. In which case, it's like then you can start taking audit. Like, well, why the fuck am I so down? Right. It, am I? Is there too much negative energy coming mm-hmm. in? Am I not eating well? Like, yeah. am I not doing? Am I not getting enough right. sleep? Am I on too much social media? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. As opposed to like the quick fix pill, which most people go to. Yep, the happy pill is you know what, what they I mean? like to say. Exactly. It's like, you know, it is okay to be sad. Sometimes you can lean into those and, and grow and learn from right. that as well. But, you know, on that same note, it's like it's important to like take audit and do all these other things as well. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, one of those things. Of, like the a book that I've been slowly reading through is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. And that book is awesome because it basically tells you like you're not going to be happy all the time. Right. Just know that. And if there is something that is seriously bothering you, that is really, you know, bringing you down, take a step back, look at what is bothering you. And, you know, it's, it's like that flow chart of like, you have a problem. Can you do something about it? No, don't worry about it. Can you fix something about it? Yes. Okay. Well then fix it. And then you'll right. be fine. So that's, I think a lot of people's biggest problem is that when they're depressed, it's because they have all these problems that they have no control over at all. If you have a problem that you can't control, why are you worrying about I have to remind myself that yeah. every day. I sit there and I think about work and I'm like, I've got this, I've got to do, I've got this, I gotta do, this is due, I've got this over here. And I'm like, I'll be at home. I'm like, can I do anything about this while I'm at home? No. No. Deal with it when it's time to deal with it. You know, try to stay more present on what's going now. Yeah, learn to focus on the things that you can. Exactly. And that's, you know, the biggest thing, I guess, if I had to put a message out is, you know, if if you're depressed, reach out to somebody. If you feel like you're just being overwhelmed, that's okay. Everybody's overwhelmed, you know. And I'm not saying that as like, you know, man up and deal with the problems. But, you, you know, if you feel overwhelmed, reach out to somebody. Try maybe get some advice. Try to take some prioritizing steps and see like, okay, what, what can I deal with? What can I, what can I change? What is bringing me down? What can I step away from? What can I change? Is my diet better? Gym, whatever, you know, definitely don't just let it bring you down. And then it, then it just compiles because you're, then you're down because you're down. And so it's like, it's just a never ending domino effect, but it's like, if you can just stop that domino, that 
that one domino from letting the rest go, okay, what's, what, what can we do to reset these dominoes, make it better, um, and become happy again, you know, at least for the most part and try to deal with a lot of the problems that life throws. Cause everybody deals with problems, but it's how we deal with the problems is how we get through life. I guess it's the best way to say it. <laughs> like you said it well, man. And, uh, on that note, dude, we'll, we'll end there. That sounds good. Um, dude, thank you so much. No, for sharing thank you. Your story, I appreciate dude. it. Um, yeah, it's like I said, um, this was something I needed to get off my chest for a while. And it's like 10 years later, I listened to your solo cast about everything. And that was like, as soon as I thought about asking, I was like, I need to listen to that first and see what's in his head because yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, something that I feel that the world probably needs to hear and that if anybody can relate to it, you know, then, and if they can, if it helps them, then I did my job. Absolutely, dude. I think we're going to help a lot of people with this conversation. <laughs> I hope, sure. I definitely hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of people came to me and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of you that you came out. And that wasn't really what I was trying to get. I didn't want people to sit there and say, oh, I'm proud of you. But it was like, look, that story was there. If somebody needs help to relate to, then reach out to me because I've been there. I've seen it. I understand. Let's fix the problem together. Yeah. That way you're good. And that way I can at least help prevent another tragedy, you know, tra another tragedy. Yeah. So, dude, just yeah. tell your truth and, you know, hopefully it helps somebody. For sure. For sure. 100%. Well, hey, man, thanks again, brother. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Till next time. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening if you are getting value out of the podcast, well, actually, you know, some heavy shit, right? You know, it's uh, it's definitely, it's not something you really, it's one of those things you think like can't happen to you, but, you know, anything can happen to anybody. And uh, I just want to just take a second and and. and reiterate the message to anybody listening that there is always hope and uh you know just give it time don't rush to anything and and prematurely make a a, a decision that you know is irreversible so yeah there's there's always hope i just want to leave everybody with that message and then, I, again, a big thank you, you know, to you guys for listening. If you are getting value out of the podcast, do me a favor, please. Share it, like it, leave a rating and review, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating review, or just an honest rating review. Five stars is honest, but, you know, whatever you guys feel we deserve, you know, it just helps other people find us. And, uh, you know, head over to YouTube and subscribe there. We're putting out some amazing video content since we've partnered with Convergence Media. Uh, you know, we have been taking things to all new heights just with the production value. And we're just trying to bring you guys the best content possible. And you can actually partner with them as well if you'd like. Go to ConvergenceMG.com. Or you can go to Convergence MG and check them out on some on all the social platforms. But they work with companies across all industries. They are based in here in St. Louis, but they work all across the country. And they help you build your brand in a digital world. They help with content creation and strategy. And they will help you uh, build brand awareness. So you can go check them out. Uh, and, you know, as always... Head over to imposedwill.com. Check us out there. It's a lifestyle mindset brand, and we're just trying to help people uh, reach new heights and impose their will on life. So 
go get on the mailing list over there. That's imposedrule.com. You can also save uh, 10% on all the apparel uh, when you use the code outside over there. And, uh, you know, guys, just keep being awesome human beings. Keep fucking killing it. Just keep on gaining some perspective. I'll talk to you guys later. Love ya. Bye. Mwah.